Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the college football welcome back betting preview part two. I'm Stucky and joining me just as I did in part one, Colin Wilson, Brett McMurphy and Mike Calabrese. If you didn't listen to part one already, make sure you check it out. High level, just quick overview. If you've been sleeping under a rock since Georgia crushed TCU, we'll continue that today. Not 20, 30 minutes, get into a little bit more specifics, but we won't go too deep because we have conference preview episodes coming for each conference over the next few weeks leading up to week zero. I mentioned Georgia dismantling TCU. Georgia's going for a three-peat. That has not happened in the AP era. It has not happened since 1936 when, believe it or not, Minnesota won three straight national titles my question, high-level Kongs, we're going to get into the futures over the next month or so. First of all, Georgia, we won't. Is Can Georgia three-peat? We might not truly know until the college football playoff because of their schedule. Um, they do have questions leading in, up into the season. A lot of defensive attrition, just like last year. New offensive coordinator, new tackles, new quarterback. You know, they got wide receivers coming in for the transfer portal who should help. There's a lot of questions, but then you look at their schedule – and it's, are they going to be answered before we get to the college football playoff? So, Colin, two-part question. Will we know that much if Georgia, you know, can three-peat until the college football playoff? And if not Georgia, who? Do you have one team you want to throw out there for if not Georgia who? If there is a crack in the armor, it's going to come on the offense. Mike Bobo taking over for Todd Munkin, in my opinion. I know Bobo knows the system. I know he's been connected to the hip to Kirby in lots of spots. He's been connected to Georgia a lot, went to Colorado State, came back. I get it, but this is not the guy that I think is calling an offense for a national championship team. That being said, it's probably the best defense in college football. But, you know, Munkin taking his position with your beloved Ravens is, I mean, he might dominate that vertical too. So if there is going to be a problem with Georgia football, it's going to come on the offensive side, watch their formations, watch their penalties, see if the players grasp what Bobo wants to do. And we'll be here stuck. You and I'll be here to tell everybody if this is Munkin's offensive system or if Bobo's changed it up and it's going to be bad. If there's a team out there that I love more than anybody, it's the first team I wrote about when I left SoFi uh, at the national title game, it's LSU. 
they, I, I was highly skeptical bringing in 15,000 snaps of experience through the transfer portal last year. They ended up going to the SEC championship game. They, they won and they covered eight games, sadly not against Tennessee, a big week that I was on them. And I got, you know, they had some special teams errors, but it really came together at the end of the season. And those 15,000 snaps of experience that led to FBS made them a powerful force, along with recruiting of players like Harold Perkins. So now what you have is an LSU team that didn't need to dip in the transfer portal as much because of how talented they are. They are too deep, loaded everywhere. And now we're starting to see a lot of questions about Alabama. I have questions about Texas A&M. This, I, I, don't, I, I don't see – I see LSU as a prime national title contender. I see them surviving Florida State. I, I agree with what the spread is. But they are too deep everywhere. I mean, if, if they get hurt at quarterback, they have two quarterbacks that literally could win the Heisman. Who else has that? So that's the team that I am higher on. I don't care what you think their stock is. It should be higher. Uh, we're going to probably disagree on that. But on our SEC preview, so we'll probably have Brody Miller on, who always drinks the LC Kool-Aid. So we can do maybe two verse one uh, on that. But yeah, I agree on the questions with Alabama. And just because it worked with Georgia last year doesn't mean it's going to work this year. New quarterback, new tackles, new offensive coordinator. And then there is still some defensive attrition. They're obviously going to be elite with who they bring in. But I, they could still, they could have a lot of cracks and still make it through the regular season undefeated just because of how easy the schedule is. Mike, any thoughts on if not Georgia, who? Well, just real quick, I never thought I'd have to be stumping for Alabama, but three of their last four recruiting classes, I believe, were top 10 of all time. And when you look at their you know, defensive front, they're just it's a clown car of five star kids. I think if Kevin Steele can put together defensively from a you know schematic standpoint, all the pieces are there for their defense to take a big step forward. Offensively, what I find to be interesting is that everyone's now totally panicking at quarterback as though they have no options whatsoever. Spring football, I, I try not to get overly enamored with it because coaches have so much impact on the format of the spring game. That's the time that we're seeing them. The play calling, you know, obviously the, the players can't be touched at quarterback. So Milrow, that huge impact on the ground isn't seen as, as much as it would be in an actual live game with live bullets flying around. Just in general, I think this Alabama team, like I'm talking myself into them more and more as we get closer to the season. And I don't know. I, I think it's just strange vis-a-vis -vis the Georgia fan base, which I put this out here on Twitter and I was like, where is your comfort level with Bobo? Because I mean, I'm of the age that I remember they wanted to ride him out of town on a rail years ago. And obviously his ceiling is very high, but he's had huge struggles even at Georgia as the offense coordinator in the past. Colorado State didn't go so great. So I don't know. I, I kind of view the SEC as more wide open potentially than most. LSU, I agree with you, Colin, in terms of having two quarterbacks that could win the Heisman Trophy. That's absolutely true. And I'll pose this question to you. Is there any chance that that becomes a looking over your shoulder situation, a locker room plus or a locker room minus, whether they go with Nussmeyer or Daniels? Like In your minds, who do you think they should go with? And is it a potential issue if they have a quarterback controversy? Nussmeyer can win the national title. Nussmeyer can sit in a crowded pocket and he can thread a pass 60 yards down the field. Daniels has got to run the inside zone. He's just not bulky. And unless he's hit the weight room and is deadlifting 600 pounds and I haven't seen him in a Coliseum, probably at SEC media days, hopefully if he's there, but 
Daniels doesn't have the body to be taking hits and running inside zone for a 12 game season, then the SEC championship. So Nussmeyer can win them the national title. Now the beauty is Brian Kelly also lose to Georgia state though. (laughs) Brian Kelly knows how to work these quarterbacks. Uh, Brian Kelly knows how to work these quarterbacks. And that's where I questioned like Dave Aranda last year coming out early and telling Bohannon, like, you're not going to be the starter and you know, Bohannon's off and Shapin's your only quarterback. Well, now he's in the same position with Blake Shapin, but he's got Sawyer Robinson behind him. Do you hold your cards close to your vest so that you keep both quarterbacks? And, and I know Brett wants to pop in here. We were, I was told something by Dana Holgerson that I did not realize. If you are a graduate transfer, you can still leave before August 1st. So even though we think that the college football landscape is like solid right now, we know what it's going to look like. What happens if Spencer Sanders doesn't win the job down at Ole Miss? I mean, it's crazy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Still some changes to come. Um, we, you mentioned briefly in the SEC, you mentioned briefly Texas A&M, the big news there. There's a lot of coordinator changes. There 24 new head coaches, I think, across FBS. Even more coordinator changes. Obviously, one of the biggest coordinator changes uh, was Collins' favorite guy, Bobby Petrino. Some of you might remember Colin putting on the Bobby Petrino neck brace last year after losing uh, an Arkansas-Missouri State bet. But Bobby Petrino is now down at Texas A&M. I personally think this is... This is reminds me just like Narduzzi and Whipple. I was like, this is not now that worked a little bit better than I thought for a year, but ultimately was not a marriage long term. I think Fisher has even a bigger ego. And it, this is just headed for a, another vehicle accident. I don't know if uh, that's the right term to use here, but Brett, um, can this marriage work? Because a lot of what's held the Texas AM has other questions. But a lot of what's held Texas A&M back has been, you know, this extremely predictable, conservative Jimbo Fisher, non-evolved offense. In theory, you bring in a coordinator, can have a, a massive impact if you actually give them the reins. Any thoughts here on uh, the potential of this marriage and whether or not you think it's going to work? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's either – Either it's gonna work, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna with Katrina, they're gonna average forty-five points a game, or uh, it's not going to work, and it will. Be Brett's, Brett's analysis is it's gonna work, or it's not going to work. No. coming in, or, ready for yeah. the fire off or, the hot takes in on July fourteenth, mid-season four. Or the dumpster, dumpster <laughs> fire will uh, resemble the the bonfires they have uh, the night before. Um, I mean, I've got some information on what may be going on but i'm not at liberty to say i just think that look jimbo fisher made history last year and not in a good way he became the first coach in the history of college football to have a top 10 preseason ranked team that finished the year unranked for the third time in his career now they've got basically everyone back they've got everyone back returning is that good news or bad news? We talk about all these great offenses. Last year, AM scored over 28 points against FBS opponents exactly one more time than we did. That is not good. And I think you've seen some, you know, some stuff publicly where Jimbo's kind of going back on Petrino was going to have full control. And now there's some question whether Petrino is going to have full control. And if Petrino doesn't have full control, and you see Jimbo on the sideline with his New York Times thick C 
Sunday New York Times thick play sheet scrolling through with his glasses on his nose, then I think A&M's in big trouble. Listen, uh, let me just pop in here. That Jimbo is set to hit the stage at SEC Media Days on Monday, Monday the 17th. He's the last one to hit the stage. If you're interested in this, turn on SEC Network because I am I am the first one with my hand up and I'm going to follow him off to the breakout room and all we're going to talk about is who's calling plays on offense. And I'm going to get into his pro style and I'm going to get into Petrino and what he does with hitches and, and motion. I look, I'm going to get into it and I'm going to ask very specific questions. And if I see like a poker player at the World Series of Poker, if I see twitches or scratches or rashes breaking out on Jimbo's face, it's not smooth sailing going on down there at all. So be be watching. Yeah, I don't. I personally, I'm going to come with that. I don't think it's going to work. Uh, we'll see. Collins on on rash watch duty. So <laughs> when we have the SEC preview, we'll see if he spotted any blemishes on Petrino's face. On one side of the argument, if you want to argue that it works, that it's going to work. Five of their seven losses were by six points or fewer last year. But on the other hand, they were preseason number six and never even got to six wins. They finished with a five and seven record. Calabrese, uh, any hot takes here uh, on Texas A&M? Or you, if you want to transition it to a fellow in-state team in Texas that will be in the SEC eventually, but not this year, and you're going to hear a lot. So you're going to hear a lot of hot takes about Texas A&M. And also, of course, the is Texas back narrative. Any thoughts on either? Well, quickly, I'm just surprised that AM doesn't get more heat in the offseason. Like Iowa naturally gets all the offensive. Your offense is broken. You know, your women's basketball superstar scored more points than you did all fall. Like stuff like that gets thrown around a lot. And I think rightfully so. But yeah, AM's offense was so dysfunctional from a play calling standpoint. They weren't able to utilize their best pieces. But it's just not that far removed from them looking amazing with Kellen Mond, who I think we can all agree is not some transcendent generational talent at quarterback. So, yes, this is like one of those, you know, uh, science fair disasters. Potentially, this is one of those make it home volcanoes that could absolutely blow up in front of the teacher. So I'm going to be watching it just from a pure entertainment standpoint. And then when you look at Texas, I, I've been throwing it out on social media as well. I don't know why Sark isn't on the hot seat, at least from a perception standpoint, because in my opinion, his roster almost works against him. He has arguably the highest rated quarterback room in the history of college football. And he had Bijan Robbins, who, who was a generational talent running back last year. And they went through those swoons in Big 12 play where they look totally dysfunctional on offense. And that is supposed to be his calling card, a la Jimbo Fisher. Like you're supposed to be the offensive savant. So in my opinion, I think, you know, when you also add in the fact that his buyout is so modest compared to modern buyout, Stark's buyout, I think starting January 1st is now seven figures. So if he doesn't win eight games minimum this year, I see him out on the 40 acres. And I think that should be as big a storyline as Jimbo's, you know, forced marriage with Petrino at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the game that Mike, the game that is a microcosm of the Jimbo Fisher offensive era at in College Station has been was the App State game. They got a a ninety five yard kick return for a touchdown at home against a team that just gave up sixty the week before in week one. They own, they held App State to seventeen points and they lost. Um, so yeah, in, in regards to Texas, I you know I actually think. Now, look, it's going to come down. Is Texas back? I still don't know my declaration on this because all I want to find out, and I got to talk to people, and is 
it's going to because I where Sark has done a tremendous job is this roster is now like a top tier SEC roster as far as the depth, the line, which Texas hasn't had in years past, but where you can only go as far as your quarterback is going to take you. And I'm not sure Arch Manning is ready to lead Texas to a national title. Maybe he is, but this comes down to Quinn Ewers living up to his potential. And one of the things we saw last year is, and you know, and I've heard some things that maybe the, the work ethic on some of the things that he, he thinks he knows it all already. Maybe he doesn't work on his footwork enough. You see that in the deep passing, right? TCU said, hey, try to throw it deep on us. The deep passing wasn't there. If the deep passing accuracy and efficiency isn't there, well, guess what? They, Texas gets, if they get to the cultural playoff, which they certainly can, they're the deserved favorites in the Big 12, they, their ceiling is severely limited. So it's going to come down to, did yours, did like bringing in Arch motivate yours to take that next step, put in the time in the offseason, improve that deep passing? Because Texas has now a well-rounded enough roster to get to the college football playoff and make noise if one of, you know, I would assume yours, probably Arch is maybe a year away, but it could be, if that quarterback can reach their ceiling because the hey, talent is certainly let's, yeah. in the room. Let's not forget about Malik Murphy either, which I'm so confused as to why at this point he doesn't have an exit strategy because he came in also one of the top rated quarterbacks that the school's ever brought to Austin. So maybe there's something that we don't know. Maybe he's actually in the mix at this point, or maybe it's a, you know, a transfer early in the season or at least a declaration that he's going to do so. But I agree. I, I think Texas has to hit the ground running. If they lose to Bama in Tuscaloosa, it still has to be, uh, a B plus a minus offensive performance. If they look like those November Texas teams from last year, no more buying green bananas for Sark. I, I think it's going to be curtains for him. Colin, is Texas back? I, Texas. I know you, I know you want to jump in on this Sark uh, slander, yeah. potential Sark slander here. Will not take any Sark slander. Uh, Texas is winning the big 12 this year. Um, I, that was the very first conference future I put down back in the first week of May. Uh, had no problem throwing a lot of money on that. And, you know, I think you should play it up to minus 120. But I don't think oh, that's... Colin actually found plus 600 on Indian Reservation in uh, <laughs> Montana. Yeah, well, I, I live around a lot of them. So I, I, I don't think the story is so much... And this, yes, Texas is good. They are loaded everywhere. They are, they are in a class by themselves in this current jumbo Big 12 conference. Uh, but you can go read about it in the Big 12 preview that got published this morning on Action Network. I am not a fan of Oklahoma. If we're going to talk about teams that are overvalued or you just look at their jersey and you think they're as good as they are because of what they were in the past, that's Oklahoma. There are no answers on this defense. I understand they went out to the portal and they got a player to fill in on the line. They got a player to fill in at linebacker and they got a player in the secondary. You still don't have... For a Venables defense, you still don't have the James Skowski middle linebacker who lines up the defensive interior, tells his linebackers where to go, and on the fly can steal signals because Venables is calling them in. And I know that Venables wants to talk about Danny Stussman, and I know that he's really excited about his defense, but his, his coverage last year, when he was at Clemson, it was like 20% cover three, 20% quarters. Last year, he went to like 48% quarters coverage. Why? Because they can't tackle. <laughs> they have no tackling fundamentals. 
They can't play coverage. They can't do anything except get 20 yards off the ball and hope there isn't an explosive play. I, you just can't convince me that this defense, which got annihilated, annihilated by TCU, annihilated by Texas, uh, that they've all of a sudden made the jump to be within a touchdown of Texas? No, absolutely not. So do I think Texas is winning the Big 12? Absolutely. And the reason why you should bang it and keep playing it through minus 120 is because who's the second team? Who's, who's knocking them down to third in this conference? There's no way they don't make it to Arlington because Oklahoma is not that team. There's, I have depth questions about Oklahoma, too, after some of the, the portal losses. They did four of their seven losses were by a field goal last year and won another one by seven. So they were close in some games, but I agree. The defense still isn't up to snuff. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. I will say in the Big 12, if you're looking for early takes on teams that I think are undervalued in the win totals market, I'm trusting the two staffs that I really believe in ultimately, especially from a defensive perspective when it comes to Iowa State. Iowa State, I think, pretty um, – I mean, look, they this is a team that you used to count on to win close games, right? They, they're going to muck it up. They're going to – like, what, what's their schedule? They, they host Texas. If Texas is, like, undefeated or just one loss and needs to win out and Texas goes to Ames late in the year, I think the second to last week, that's you know that game's gonna be close. I mean, Iowa State always plays Texas tough, but Iowa State is 0-10 in their last 10 games decided by seven points or less. This is a team that has not look turnover margin last year, their red zone, they're one and six in one possession games. This this is like kind of like you know, last year they lost a lot of talent. Look at they lost Purdy, they lost a ton of talent. What one of the all their tight ends. All yeah, their tight ends. We saw how good bright uh Brees Hall looked at the Jets before he got hurt. This is kind of like the year after expectations that are lower. I like the uh, – I think Iowa State's in a, in a good spot just to have their, you know, their their win totals. Like, hey, can they get the ball eligibility? Yes, I think they will find a way. And then I'm still going to trust the Kansas staff. I love the staff. I love their offensive ingenuity. I don't think either of those two teams, as you're to your point, Con, are threats to Texas, which is why I also will be on Texas in the Big 12. But just wanted to throw out those two teams out. We'll get much more in depth once we get to – 
the Big 12 uh, preview. Yeah, uh, Mike, let's well, – um, before we get to maybe some more group of five talk, Brett, I'll let you hop in there. Do you have any thoughts on is Texas back, or do you want to share an update on your pokes and uh, a lot of changes in the offseason in the state of Oklahoma State? Do you have, do you have any takes on either of those schools? Yeah, um, I don't know. Texas has to prove it to me. They've been the favorite every year. They haven't done it. Um, you know, as far as Oklahoma State, Gundy, uh, Colin and I talked to him for a little bit off to the side. He's He wants to run the ball more. Um, he wants to control control the clock. He wants to be more of a running attack. It's, you know, easy to say he wants to do it. Can he actually do it? Um, you know, I guess Bowman's going to be the guy quarterback. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, you know, the Pokes, I think uh, they can keep their ball streak going. I think that's a successful season. I think it's a down year for Oklahoma State. Uh, real quickly, one kind of long shot, although I'm hearing a lot of people really like this team now, which I don't like. I'd rather be out on an island on this. Um, and I actually predicted them to win the Big 12 back in uh, – February, whenever I did my bowl projections, but that's Texas Tech. I just love the offense they have there. And, you know, everyone has a great off, well, very good offense in the Big 12. You know, can they make a couple of stops? Joey McGuire thinks the defense will be better than last year, even though they had some key losses on the defensive front. Um, but I kind of like Texas Tech. They remind me of TCU last year. Um, not flying as much under the radar anymore. But, um, again, like Colin said, after Texas, who is there, um, I, I think Texas Tech could get to the title game, and then you've got a good good chance to hedge out on uh, the Red Raiders, who I think are, you know, double-digit odds to win the conference, 10, 12, 14 to 1. Yeah, manageable road league slate. They avoid Oklahoma. They host Kansas State and TCU. Obviously, they do go, they do go to Texas in the finale, which might end up deciding it. Maybe it's both teams are still alive. I will say with Texas Tech, the good thing about maybe playing a future on them is, yes, their defense could be better. The secondary in particular, I really like. They, and if you want to take a, a longer shot, what are they? Probably 12 to 1-ish um, to win the Big 12. In these big games, they're going to go for a lot of fourth downs against the, when they might be an underdog and just increase the variance of some of these games. They're going to go for it a ton, um, which is which as a thing you like if a, a team is more of a long shot compared to Texas, which is closer to even money. Um, That's not changing. So I asked Joe no, McGuire that. No, I asked Joe McGuire, yeah. And he's like, no, we have a standing meeting with a consulting company every Thursday morning that goes over our fourth down situations and everybody else in the nation to see and grades us how well we did. And, and essentially McGuire said, going forward on fourth down is our identity. So that's not changing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of fourth down variants. I do need to replace a good kicker, which – he was important last year, but yeah, we will see. I'm looking forward to the big 12 preview. Mike, I'm sure you're probably sick of hearing about the power five teams now. So I, I actually have a, a future yeah. on Texas tech. So I like that. That was the, the bookend to that conversation. If Tyler Shuck's healthy all throughout the fall, I think they have a puncher's chance to get to the big 12 title game. I love what they have on offense, mainly because of Zach Kitley, the OC, who came from, you know, the G5 ranks. He goes from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky. And I think if he's dealing with a full deck the entire season, this potentially could be a top 10 offense. So that that's enough to get it done in the Big 12, at least to be in the mix late November. Uh, Rusty yeah, Spats coming in at center for a Kitley, yeah. Kitley's old center. That, that is a transfer portal move that is not talked about enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. They also get their, uh, their right guard back, which allows their, um, their left guard back from injury, which allows their right guard to slide back to his natural position with stats coming in at center. The O-line should be better. I am worried about the front, their defensive, you know, front six ish. Those two really important linebackers they are moving one outside in. And so, you know, they got to have that kid from Q's hip, but we're not, we'll get into that when we get to the big 12 preview group of five, Mike, how about just people that are, that watch on power five or, or interested in individual players, N- name a couple potential impact transfers that you're interested in watching or just want to note at the group of five level heading into this year. So last year around this time, everyone was talking about Clay Helton going to Georgia Southern. It was kind of like tongue in cheek, like this is kind of him being put out to pasture. It was surprising that he got the job the way it ended at USC. And then he one of the best jobs in the nation last year, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, That under his win total under just got destroyed over and over again leading up to the season. And I didn't think the offense could hit like it did. Um, So kudos to Helton and the job he did there last year. We will see if he can do it again with another Vantrese is out. If he can do it with another transfer quarterback, again. Vantrese is gone. Davis Brin in from Tulsa. I, I think that has an opportunity to keep the good times rolling there in Statesboro. Malik Hornsby or TJ Finley to Texas state. I'm not saying that this team is going to improve much on their four wins from last year, but they could be an against the spread darling and an over darling. You know, they cracked, I believe just the top 80 defensively last year. I think they could take a minor baby step backwards. So you could see some very high scoring games. Tom Herman back in the G5 coaching at FAU. He takes Casey Thompson from Nebraska in the portal. And then one that's absolutely under the radar, in my opinion, going G5 to G5, Louisiana Monroe going to North Texas. That's Chandler Rogers. He was a quarterback that, at least in my opinion, accomplished a good deal without much of a supporting cast. And at UNT this year with Eric Morris in year one, I think he could pop offensively right away. So those are just some names to keep an eye on as the season rolls on. And, oh, and by the way, I should mention one of the bigger changes that have implications on futures, in particular conference futures, that this is the year where we'll see the most amount of conferences without divisions, right? Like take the Mountain West, where it's just, hey, let's the ACC, let's just the, the two best teams. You don't have to worry about, okay, who won their division. So that's something to note as well. You'll see that covered more in depth in all of our conference previews as well. Do you have a, a one group of five team that you want to throw out? Um, obviously, like I mentioned various other times, we're going to have previews for every conference. Do you have one team that you think is either going to be overvalued or undervalued, and it can either be from a preseason um, futures perspective or just over the first few weeks. So I'll stick with two conference champions here. I'll start with Toledo. I think that they're a little bit overvalued. Jason Candle, I think, gets a, a lot of love, but he inherited a program that was in really good shape for Matt Campbell. And yes, they broke through and won last year. But I think Daquan Finn is is viewed as this electric dual threat quarterback who can put up big numbers. If you remove his game against Kent State, where he had, I believe, six passing touchdowns last year, the rest of his stats for the season, 17 TDs, 12 picks. They lose three really big talents in their front seven. So I think Toledo is going to take a baby step backwards, where at this point, it seems like a preseason coronation that they're just going to defend their MAC title. And that's going to be easy for them. I don't, I don't view it that way. And then from an undervalued perspective, another conference champion at this point, going from Conference USA up to the AAC. UTSA, a lot of the preseason metrics, I don't think view them properly. Uh, Bill Conley's SP plus numbers have them 60th in the country, 36th in offense. I think that's ridiculous, given the fact that they have Frank Harris back at quarterback. They have a lot of good receivers, even losing to Kari Franklin in the portal to Ole Miss. They still 
with that being said, have eight all AAC first teamers in the preseason. They have a great secondary. Rashad Wisdom is back as well. And obviously you have to squint looking at any G5 team to make any noise to crash the top 10 by season's end. But they get Houston on the road to start the season. And then they go to Neyland, I want to say week three or week four. Obviously, if they win those two games and go undefeated or have one loss, they're going to be in the conversation to be a top 10 team. If they run the table, they could be, you know, in that Cincinnati, where do we put them situation, UCF kind of thing. I think UTSA is undervalued, love their coaching staff. I understand that they lose their OC to Oregon, but offensively, this team was an absolute monster last year. So I'm on the Roadrunners, meet me, still think they're underrated. Yeah, and by the way, Toledo, yeah, Candle is awful. I mean, yes, he finally won the MAC title last year. He's he, good, good recruiter, right? Toledo always has the most talented team in the MAC, and he just always comes up short in big games. Yes, they finally won the MAC title. Number one, they should have lost to Eastern Michigan, which would have changed everything. They got a lucky tip to pick, but they got to play Ohio in the in the championship without the offensive player of the year and the best quarterback, and they would have lost that game. Yes, I'm still bitter about my future. Um, but that was a pretty big deal to for Ohio to play without the Maple. What is his nickname now? I'm forgetting the, Ma- the Maple Missile, Curtis the Maple Rourke. Missile. Who coming uh, we coming were, to a coming to an over at San Diego State real soon? All right. Well, Colin gets his San Diego State over in at the buzzer. We got a media day and rash watch mention in. So cash those tickets. The one ticket that did not cash, which everyone would have had if they could bet on. This podcast, Colin, on both preview episodes, zero mention of Arkansas football. Take that for what it's worth. Maybe it's low on Arkansas. We'll see on the SEC preview. That will, yeah, let's wrap it up there. Time for us to go get back to work, dig into these teams and get ready for the conference specific previews. We will go through every team of our favorite win totals, futures, college football is coming. We're under 50 days. It'll be here before we know it. It was good to get the gang back together. Um, cannot wait to sweat on Saturdays with all of you. And then weekdays of the Mac, it's just great to be back. Hope you enjoyed these two high level. Welcome back episodes. Get ready because the conference previews are coming. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Leave a review, five-star review. If you've already left one, just grab someone's phone, your your girls, your friends, because we will do giveaways, give away a ton of shit, especially as the season approaches. And those really help us, especially since we've been off for quite some time. But thanks again to Colin Wilson, Brett McMurphy, Mike Calvaris, our producer, Matt Mitchell on the back end. Thanks to our audio and video team, as always. And thanks, of course, to all of you. Once again, for tuning in, time for us to go back to work. We'll catch you all over the next few weeks with all of our conference preview episodes. Cheers. Peace out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.